According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, nearly 800,000 children each year are reported missing in the United States alone. Now, many of these kids are never seen or heard from again. The trauma to the missing child notwithstanding, for parents of missing children, the emotions associated with not knowing the condition, the whereabouts, or the destiny of their kids are myriad and often crippling. Fear, anxiety, anger, depression, and guilt are just a few of these emotions. For bereaved parents, this crippling effect can sometimes bleed over into other negative family dynamics as well. But take courage. Today, we'll be finding strength for parents of missing children on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential facility for troubled teens. Our host on the program is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, I know that you deal with troubled children on a daily basis, not missing children, but troubled teens, certainly. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific insights into what might bring hope and comfort to a parent of a missing child, at least before we introduce the real professional in this area? Well, uh, other than prayer and Jesus, I'm ashamed to say I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, I... I can barely imagine how I'd handle something like that, Rich. I, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, when it comes to parenting, I, I probably err more in the direction of a quote-unquote control freak, a, a troubled or rebellious child. Yeah, I, I can handle that. A missing child, that would be a major challenge for a guy like me. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the closest thing I've ever experienced with respect to a missing child was when Beth and I had to, you know, make the decision to take our son Ace off of a ventilator. But... The dynamics there were a lot different. It was, uh, you know, in, in our power to, to to make that decision. We we knew his destiny, so there wasn't that terrible sense of the unknown and wondering where he was or you know how he was doing. You know, when it comes to a missing child, uh, without the eternal perspective or you know of having an all loving and all powerful God in the equation, I shudder to think what I might do if I suspected someone you know abducted one of my kids. And where it gets even stickier is when the captor is a loved one or maybe even the government, uh, which we deal with uh, a lot here at Shepherd's Hill. Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, today's guest weighing in on all this. Yeah. Well, our guest is Marie White, and she's the author of eight books, including the multiple award-winning number one bestseller, Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. She is a TEDx speaker. She's an entrepreneur. She's reached over a million viewers through her YouTube channel, Bible Stories for Adults. She's also the director of uh, publishing for Zami's Press, and she encourages people from all over the world and all walks of life experiencing a variety of struggles to know that there is hope through Christ. Well, Marie, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Thank you, Trace and Rich. It's great to be here. You know, uh, when we think of missing children, the first thing that often comes to mind is some deranged, total stranger abducting kids out of a van somewhere in the neighborhood or in a mall parking lot. Can you set us straight on that? Absolutely. And that is, you know, what most of us think of. But also, there are so many other types of children who are missing. And you guys touched on that in the beginning. You know, from children being illegally um, ripped into foster care away from their families to a divorce or a breakup, and one spouse takes the children and the other parent never finds them again. Wow. You know, most of us rely on our government to be there to help us recover our missing kids. But like you, sometimes it's actually our, our government that does the taking. 
Uh, should this be disturbing to parents, or does the government really know best? This should absolutely be disturbing to parents. And this is where, you know, we, we see a lot of people um, will want to have me on the show. I, I do a lot of interviews and a lot of TV, and people will want to say, you know, what can we do to prevent this from happening to mm-hmm. our children? And, of course, being protective, being proactive, watching out for your children, making sure they're not, you know, wandering the streets, that sort of thing, that's absolutely important. But what we're seeing today is more and more children being taken by government or by ex-spouses, and you can't prevent that. All you can do is react to it. This is where people need to be involved and be aware and know their rights, you know, have an availability of an attorney, um, be sure you ask questions, make sure you ask for things like search warrants. There are so many things happening right now that are beyond the scope of just good parenting. I know in your case, and we won't go into many of the details, if any of the details about your own story, but I know that you did have an abduction situation uh, close to home for you. Um, Did that uh, pretty much shake your faith in the American justice system? And if it did, where did you turn for help or where did you find help in resolving some of these issues? Uh, It really does give you a new perspective into um, legal, you know, the justice system, like you said, um, law enforcement. You realize how uninformed people are about the different um, types of abductions out there and what they can do about it. I actually, as I was doing marketing for my book, after it was written and it was with the publisher, I started learning about other types of abductions and going on to Facebook groups for people that were experiencing parental alienation, where one parent is keeping the children from the other parent. Mm. Now, this can go on anywhere for a month or two or to, you know, seeing them not very often to where people literally take the children and move out of country. Mm. And so these parents are going through the same devastation that we were with an abduction, only this was an abduction by someone they knew. Mm. Wow. It occurs to me sex trafficking is another example of this that we haven't specifically mentioned, but that's mm-hmm. one of the cream of the crops in terms of, mm-hmm. of crimes that are going on against human beings, taken out and trafficked in any number of ways. I wouldn't doubt if there are parents who abduct their child from the other parent for that very purpose. Would I be wrong or Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's frightening. Absolutely. When I say that to most people, uh, you're in the industry, so you, you know, not the trafficking industry, but uh, you, you, you <laughs> different industry. Yeah, thank you. You would, you would know, but I'm telling you that is, you can't imagine uh, what a human being could possibly be thinking when they, when they do something like that. Now your book is replete with scripture verses and encouragement for parents uh, of missing kids. Can you share how the Bible helped you cope during your, your child's absence? Well, I think it's really interesting. There's a, a verse in the Bible that where God says that he takes believers into his confidence. And I think that's just amazing that he lets us know ahead of time that sometimes things are going to happen that we don't understand, but that he's going to take us into his confidence and kind of give us a hint as to what's happening. And from the moment that this happened for our family, um, okay, maybe not the moment, maybe a couple hours into the moment of this happening, the sense of peace that God gave me that I've got this, it's going to be okay, and keep going and keep fighting. Mm were instrumental in, in how our family continued for the four and a half years that our child was abducted. Four and a half years. And it, what wow. it gave to, I know, it was, it was a long time. And when I look at it, I even, you know, in the midst of it would say, I don't know how we're getting through this, other than God getting us through every moment. 
Well, that was my next question. How do non-believers deal with trauma like this? And what would your counsel be for a non-believer who may have come to you knowing that you had a child abducted? Well, I speak with a lot of people now that have gone through the same type of thing. And really what I end up finding out is that um, right now, one parent per day on average takes their life because they have an abducted child. That's crazy. I mean, you know, when we've all had the experience where you're in the shopping mall and your kid, you know, goes behind an aisle or behind a clothing rack, behind your leg at the grocery store. And for a moment, you feel that feeling of terror Mm -hmm. because you can't find them. Mm Mm-hmm. Now imagine that feeling of terror never going away. Yeah. And what your imagination would do to you and how God tells us that we are to think on things that are lovely and that are good and how we have to train our mind to keep our eyes focused on Him so that when our child is returned, we will be in a better place to be able to parent them. Talk about that that last thing that you just said a little bit more because... You know, you said God. You know, God was there for you, and that that Scripture talks about uh, you know God's uh, being in the works in this and and revealing Himself to you in this. But my goodness, when you are right in the middle of it, that's really hard to see. It's really easy to give up one's faith temporarily in this. How were you able, and how was your family able to stay the course, knowing that God was there and was a God of His Word? Uh, Well, that was definitely because of our relationship with him already. And I know for me, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, even on the bad days where I would be in my room on the floor, on my face, crying, sobbing and calling out to him. And then when the sobs felt like they were forced, I wiped my face, I got back up and I finished sweeping. And in that time, as you're calling out to him, one of the questions I asked is, you know, like, Lord, how could this happen? How could this be? Our child was raised, you know, safely and lovingly, and this should never have happened. Why would you allow this to happen? And his answer to me in that moment was, this was always going to happen. But your child was with you, so they would be strong enough to be able to handle this when it happened. Where do you think you'd be, and how do you think you'd be doing if uh, the God of the Bible wasn't available to you during this time? You know, I I can't even imagine. I I don't even know, even with him holding us every single moment of the day, it was difficult in those beginning moments to find the energy to breathe. Mm -hmm. It hurt to breathe, as you guys know from the things that you've been through. Um, And, you know, and and talking about the death of of your child, it's just, you know what it's like when that pain is so so unbearable. You don't even know how you're going to take another breath. And yet God gets you through without him. I don't know how you would do that. You know, you think about it, you know, God is God. He built us with emotions. And if we don't get to the crescendo of our emotions, can we really get to God? You know, that's that's a deeper, different subject, but I I just thought about that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And and that is that, you know, if you you don't experience the highs and the lows, Mm -hmm. you know, if if, if the dynamic isn't there, how, how can you really enjoy the highs if you haven't experienced the lows? How can you recognize the highs if True. you haven't seen the lows? Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. I'm curious about one thing, and, and Trace and I have talked about this a number of times on this program. Our culture is full of a bunch of pampered and entitled people right now. And I mean, <laughs> let's face it, if you're in America, you're one of those, so that includes us. But um, mm-hmm. do you think maybe we've lost some of our understanding of or our appreciation for God's purposes for things like struggle and, and pain and discipline? 
I absolutely do. And I think what's kind of interesting is this morning I actually put something on Facebook where I said, um, me, and then I put this little quote of, you know, uh, Lord, um, things are going terribly. Why don't you care about me? And then also me, Lord, everything's going wonderfully. Why do you care about me? <laughs> well, we have these questions of, you know, one, you know, looking from space, looking down on us, we're like little ants. Why would you even care about us? Right. But in the midst of our problems, you know, why are you not taking care of them, Lord? So we are very pampered. I think as parents, we've also gone the other direction. Instead of saying no to our children, we say yes to everything unless we have a reason to say no. And that's actually a problem that actually contributes to the loss of children and to the abduction of children. Mm -hmm. When we don't say no enough, everything becomes a yes. And then all of a sudden you get a call and and Bobby's mom wants to know, can your child come over, you know, your, your son come over to go for a sleepover. Now your initial reaction is, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel good about this, but you might say yes. If you can't think of a reason to say no. That because I said so worked for years. <laughs> you know, right. I, th- I think that's a legitimate answer when you really don't know the why. You know, we'll come back with the why later, but right now I've got this gnawing in my spirit that I need to say no. Because uh, I think we, as much as we can, we need to give our kids the why. But if there's something pricking our hearts to say no, then we need to have the strength and the wisdom to say no. And we can come up with the why later. And, uh, you know, God has asked me to do many things in the course of my life that uh, I didn't know the why. But the why usually comes after I obey. I remember uh, you you talk about a a sleepover. I was in front of uh, 7,000 mental health and child care professionals at a conference. And Josh McDowell, uh, a globally known Mm -hmm. youth uh, minister, uh, professional, first words out of his mouth, the day of the sleepover is over. And digital technology has changed that. And I think a lot of uh, we parents have just, we've lagged behind in, in, in where things have gone culturally and uh, digitally. It's not the world that, uh, that our parents grew up in. It's not, not the world we grew up in. And we, we have not made those adjustments. Um, I, I think it all comes back to our needing to be intentional about everything absolutely. That we do. We need to be intentional in why we say no. We need to be intentional about why we say yes. We need to think about these things without just shooting from the hip is is often the easy way to do it. So we're talking about the the why. From Scripture, why does God allow so much struggle, pain, and discipline? Because this is a common answer or question that, you know, we have to answer here at Shepherd's Hill with these kids all the time. What would you tell your children? Well, I would give our situation as an example. I would say that, and I do often say that, um, if we hadn't gone through this, then I would never have sat down and written the book that I wrote. There you go. And this book is changing the lives for people all around the globe. And people are writing in, and they're not taking their lives. It's stopping suicides. Mm -hmm. It's introducing people to Christ. It's doing things that never would have happened. When I... Six months into this happening is when I wrote, or not when I wrote, when I started making the Bible Stories for Adult YouTube channel. I felt like, you know, in the shower, I'm calling out to the Lord, what do you want me to do with this pain? And his answer was, remember those things you've been thinking about in the shower for two years, doing this YouTube channel? I'm doing these Bible Stories for adults who did not grow up in church, but have now become believers and need to know 
what the heck their pastor's talking about when they're in church and they say, just like Joseph. Yeah. Well, go ahead and do that thing you've been thinking about but didn't have time for because of their children. Yeah. Uh, if more people would uh, see the glass uh, half full as opposed to half empty and see God's perspective on things, I think uh, uh, they can endure pain a lot more than they think. We need to pause briefly here on License to Parent. Our guest today is Marie White. She's author of an incredible book, a story that you will want to read and learn more about, especially if your family has suffered from having missing children or abducted family members. It's called Strength for the Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. You can find it wherever you get your books or through her website, mariewhiteauthor.com. And we'll be back with more conversation on Licensed to Parent right after this. In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the License to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherds Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. You are listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long residential Christ-centered program for troubled teens. If you or your family may need help and you've got a troubled teen in your home or perhaps you know someone who does, please reach out to us. You'll find us online at shepherdshillacademy.org or at the radio program site licensedtoparent.org. We'd be glad to answer any questions that we can for you. And our guest today is Marie White. She's author of a book called Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. Incidentally, Marie is going to be joining us again next week on the program. Uh, We felt there was enough content that we need to talk about that we needed to have her back for a second week. So I'm hoping that next time we can cover some of the things that you might do to uh, help prevent something along these lines from happening. You know, having all the right 
pieces in place can can make it a lot easier to to keep things from going awry. But today we're we're I guess looking more at the how to deal with it in the aftermath and what spiritual challenges we may face and how God really does come through. Mm-hmm. Trace. Well, Maurice, so much of what you've written in your book is about the the struggle and pain that, that I also discuss in the book I'm trying to finish up right now, but I can't overemphasize the importance of praising and thanking God in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pain, uh, as you also mentioned. Why is praising God uh, and thanking Him uh, for something that you would ne- have never asked for and so painful? Why is that so important? Well, I think when we look at it from a different perspective, you know, right from our earthly perspective, we're looking at it and we're looking at just the pain. Mm-hmm. We're looking just inside our little bubble and what's happening to us, and we're not looking at the bigger picture. And I think when we look at the bigger picture, we really get an amazing view of God's heart for things. Yeah. And I think, you know, so many of us have gone through things where, as we read the Bible, it becomes alive. Because we're like, oh, I know exactly what it feels like for Joseph to be sold into slavery and to have everything go wrong again and again and again, and for God to say at the end, and this is why. And so when we look at that and we still find reasons to praise God, when we praise Him for being with us, we praise Him for every blessing that still comes. I mean, I, you look around you, and as you're going through whatever it is you're going through, you can find other people going through the same thing with less resources. You know, not only have they lost their child, but also they've lost their job, and they've lost their spouse, and they've lost their health. And mm. you go, okay, I haven't lost those things. Right. You know, I can be thankful for the things I do have. And I think being thankful, you know, gratitude does change everything. It gives the praise where it belongs, which is with God. And it does also neurologically change your mind. And so you can increase your health and do a better job at what you're doing by being grateful. No, you're exactly right. Uh, It uh, actually shoots enough serotonin just by being grateful into your system as, as if you took one Wellbutrin or one Prozac. So you can actually, uh, it's a scientific fact that by being grateful, you can regulate your own mental health. And when you look at scripture, it's replete with the the importance of praising God and thanking him. And particularly in the uh, the tough times of life, uh, that's when you need that extra shot of serotonin in your system. You know, for the past 25 years, uh, I've been asking parents what their biggest fear in raising their kids uh, might be. And and one common response has been, uh, maybe the most common response is going to jail for exercising discipline with their kids. How mm-hmm. in the world did we get here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the same way that we've gotten to a lot of the points we have in this country right now. And that's, it's really easy to see something that is wrong and instead of saying that's wrong, saying there should be a law against that. Mm, there you go. Yeah. And that is something even we, you know, fell into the trap of. We were foster parents for eight years, and we had a number of foster children come through our home. Luckily for us, that experience taught us about trauma so that we could take care of ourselves when this happened. It did take us a while to figure it out, but at least we had the training on trauma to be able to handle it. But as you watch and see, you know, if somebody if a child is burned with a cigarette or beaten, um, instead of saying this is wrong and let's hold that person accountable, it's really easy to say there should be a law against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once you make a law against that, then does it impact innocent parents for doing simple things like swatting someone on the behind at the store? Right. 
I, I think if we, uh, in mass, uh, whether we as Christians or just as uh, garden variety, common sense people, uh, would herd together against uh, or you know toward our legislators to say enough is enough here. Let's find the balance. I think we can get somewhere, but I it just no one wants to be that first person to to get the ball rolling, or is the ball rolling in a way that I'm not aware of? Well, I know um, parentalrights.org, mm-hmm. they're doing a great job with doing um, things with the White House, asking them to change laws so that parents have the rights that they should have to raise their children and oh, educate their children and you know, discipline their children the way they see is effective and non-abusive. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really important, especially with the vaccines and with the medical kidnapping that's going on. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of families, even families I knew before this happened and after this happened, that you know, literally went to China, adopted special needs children, brought them home, and then while they're at the hospital with them, you know, getting these special needs checked out, um, having a, a nurse in the hospital call social workers and say these people are obviously abusing this child. Mm. Craziness. Because they brought them there for the special needs they had adopted them for. Right. Yeah. Knowing they had, I mean, just unbelievable things. Yeah. Um, power grabbed by people that are, you know, not really... Um, who shouldn't have the authority to do this. And so you, it's constant for parents to watch out for themselves. Well, well now to, to both of you, um, it seems that we are sort of on the one hand saying things need to change and laws need to be enacted. And on the other hand saying we can't just say pass a law about this. Obviously, any change in culture is really only going to happen through heart change. So yeah. in our in our last question, if we can make it that what are some ways that you think we can create a heart change among parents and uh, a heart change among the culture so that people will be more mindful of doing the right things and there won't just be yet another law in the books? Ooh, that's a tough question. You know, really, it's it's the same thing with, uh, I know I sent you guys a copy of my book, um, God's Love for LGBTQI. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm going to equate it with this because I think it's really um, apropos. In the book, I don't address um, homosexuality at all. What I address are the needs that people within the LGBT community have for God. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing here. We're talking about people that we don't need to specifically, like you said, we don't need to enact more laws. What we need to do is we need to have people come to Christ, have them you know, be loved by the church, be um, discipled in, in the word, get to know Christ better, and he will do the work on people's hearts. Marie, thanks so much for spending time with us today, and we know you'll be back with us again on our next program when we're going to get into a little more of the meat and potatoes um, and some of the legislation about this as well as we talk about uh, your book, Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care. Again, Marie White, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Chase. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, man. And you'll find that book uh, wherever you get your books or through Marie's website, which is mariewhiteauthor.com. Again, mariewhiteauthor.com. And you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. There you'll find all of our programs, conversations on a lot of topics vital to parents and their teens. You can also sign up for our blog, and you can get on the bandwagon to help the work we do continue with your financial support. As you might imagine, running a residential program for troubled teens is a very expensive prospect, and uh, some families simply can't afford it, but they can with your help. Simply click the Donate tab at the top of the page when you go to licensedtoparent.org. 
And uh, by the way, if you want to learn more about Shepherd's Hill Academy and whether we might be a good fit for you and your family or for someone you know and care about, click the link there to Shepherd's Hill. It's on our homepage. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time when we continue our conversation with Marie White. That's on the next edition of License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.